I I feel like I could do an entire podcast, like not one episode, but an entire podcast on Kiefer Sutherland's hangovers. <laughs> Have you ever seen a man look more hungover without playing an alcoholic in a movie? He looks, I, and I will I will quote Ryan Philippi from, uh, I know what you did last summer. He looks like dog shit run over twice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't get this from the movie at all, but like I and I'm desperately what? trying to remember. I mean, to me, he's massively we... puffy-faced. He's yellow teeth. He looks terrible. He looks, he looks like a puffy disaster the entire movie. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, and well, I mean, part of the plot of the movie is that he's like getting the shit beat out of him by a ghost. Um, so it's like he has kind of an excuse to look but like he's that. not drunk. <laughs> he's not drunk. Technically, he's not drunk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the character. I mean, the character's not drunk. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows whether or not? I mean, I feel like if it was an early morning shoot, like a six a.m. shoot, like I bet you that that opening shot of the movie that's like oh coming in from across the river. And he like comes walking out of his trench coat. That was probably filmed at dawn. Yes. And I bet he was still drunk from the night I before. Bet he, was drunk. he also looks like unusually animated, you know? So he was probably <laughs> pretty drunk right then. And just saying drunk is kind of a catch all term for all the different things he was intoxicated on, you know, drunk, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I do love that scene because it's, he kind of like hops over the guardrail in this very jaunty way and then hugs himself with this kind of abandon. Like it's like almost like it's like a soap commercial, you know? I, think, I feel like he hugs himself like the singer of Simple Minds hugs himself in a music <laughs> video. You know, that kind of like, I'm so vulnerable in this, mm. in this moment kind of hug, like a tight, like, like Claire Danes in my so-called life. Hu- right. Hug. Like Jennifer Love Hewitt in Party of Five. Yes, very much so, but less puffy or more puffy, <laughs> more puffy. So this is uh, 30 Years Later. We are talking about uh, 1990s Flatliners, which came out the second week of August. I'm your host, Ricky Kimler. I'm joined right now by fellow co-host, Chris, Chris Chafin. Hi, that's me. Chafin. I'm here. Hello, everyone. That's nice you. To meet you. You're here. Uh, before we get started talking about this um, incredibly campy, pretty fun movie pretty fun. for the first two thirds, I would say. Yeah. I, I um, let's. <laughs> Let's take a look at the trailer. Dun 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 dun. Beep beep. He's flatlining. Beep. We you brought our this. back with us. Are you out of your mind? This is crazy. It's called murder. <laughs> I did not go to med school for this. You're willing to throw it all away? Your whole career? Your future for this? Chunk. He's flatlining. <sighs> Light, bright lights, dead body raising a hand. 
Julia Roberts in her underwear, like Billy Baldwin having sex with some woman oh in God. grainy video footage. He said you'd always footage. love me. He said you'd always love me. He said you'd always love me. He said you'd always love me. Are you guys seeing weird things? I've been seeing weird things since we went, since we died. <laughs> Everything's fine for me, brother. Really? Or are, are you being sarcastic? It's really hard to tell with you. I don't know. Just remember, this was my idea first. Uh, um, that was the trailer for Flatliners. Uh, this movie was made in 1990. It's it's Joel Schumacher, hot off the heels of films like uh, Saint Elmo's Fire. Um, people had referred to this as uh, I think Kiefer Sutherland himself, as in, in an interview, referred to this as the Breakfast Club. Uh, dies or yeah, St. Elmo's yeah. death. It has that vibe. Uh, but none of, of these like people. Five different best friends all in their early yeah. 20s, you know, and there's one girl, and, you know, it's, it has one that girl. like Rat Pack movie vibe. Um, it, it absolutely does. It also has uh, Joel Schumacher and uh, cinematographer Jan DeBont bring. A whole lot of style to this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Hey, what, you know how I said this movie was kind of like The Breakfast Club or St. Elmo's Fire? What if I told you it opened with a several-minute-long montage of religious statues while choir music played? <laughs> like, <laughs> In case you didn't get it. In case you weren't sure what where this movie was coming from. Yeah, and you know how you're like teens and, and young people that want to see like a cool horror movie, they're like, ooh, show me some statues. I want to hear some Gregorian chants and I want to look at all, some statuary. But it's all style, right? Like, it, it's, all style, I, it's, yeah. it's like someone was like, oh, this movie's about death. So therefore, we have to have stuff about God, right? Because yeah. it's about the afterlife. So let's, sh- let's have some choral chants and some religious imagery. But like, none of that religious imagery has any actual specific significance to the to to the story as far as i could tell like there was nothing within that imagery where i was like oh of course this is representative of like a specific oh, no, tenet no, 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 in the no. bible of some kind it's just like god it's just stuff. Like, like some god af- stuff some afterlife stuff you know like afterlife stuff yeah. like well that's like how they have so it's these medical students doing this secret medical experiment so would you think this is taking place like say like in like they break into the school after hours where it's like a basement of the school nobody really uses Uh, no it's in a gothic cathedral where they like have set up a bunch of medical equipment (laughs) well the whole school though like even even when they're in uh like not in their basement doing the experimental flatlining stuff and they're actually just like doing medical school stuff still looks like an abandoned cathedral yes. with like shafts of light pouring through these like ornate win- <laughs> windows I mean, and you're like, where is this medical school <laughs> this movie is so crazily like over directed and over photographed like oh there's a there's a great scene very early in the movie it's not the introduction of kevin bacon's character but it's like pretty close where he's he's been kicked out of school he's been briefly suspended but he's being very dramatic about it and he has this conversation while he is rappelling out the window of his dorm room down the wall. Kiefer Sutherland is standing on the ground in just like a regular college campus. There are multiple smoke bombs going off behind him that are like pretty easy to spot. But it's every, like very 
every scene that takes place outdoors has like billows billowing smoke like that is both behind and in front of the characters right like like a a normal movie even a movie that was being like a little overly stylized like say the crow (laughs) would have like one billow of smoke like one but there's like seven billows of smoke and it's not just the billows of smoke it's like you're looking behind kiefer and there's like big mounds of leaves everywhere with like smoke coming out of to like hide the smoke machine and they're so like and they're they're not even these like plumes of smoke are not even sort of like blending into each other. Oh no, they're all separate. Specifically located and separate. It's like, what is happening on this street that there would be so are there like seventeen manholes in one block? Seventeen so it takes place in Chicago in nineteen ninety, a city where they famously had seventeen manhole covers on each block, you know, like yeah chicago this movie makes chicago look like the smokiest and wettest city in the entire universe like yeah because it's definitely one of those movies where every sidewalk and road is like just glimmering like black and wet you know you say chicago i say the like the the a made-up city in 12 year old Anne rice's imagination (laughs) It's like, you know, got the university and then the bad part of town and then the suburbs are nearby. You know, it's like that city. Did you also, uh, so Kevin Bacon gets kicked out of school, as you were saying, and he's repelling down the thing, which is funny because like other students, I think, are just coming out of the door. And this must be all for for like months. He has just had a rope like screwed into the, the roof of his dorm room, like and nobody has done anything about it. So like clearly people are like, why don't you just take the door? And he's like, nah, this is how I like it. This is and how then I like he to does like, a whole scene also- afterwards wearing a bright red harness over his like acid wash jeans, which is also really funny. He's trying to look cool in a climbing harness, which is pretty hard. And then he gets into his Jeep, which <laughs> is not his car. A normal Jeep. It is for no with no explanation it is like an old military base jeep with and like, it doesn't and all the walls are canvas and he's always tying them down or they're like they're coming loose this is like plot points of the movie are the canvas ties coming loose on his fucking jeep and it's by the way like as somebody who has played a million video games and seen like a million war movies i have literally never seen a car that looks like this in my life it doesn't look like any military car i've ever seen before it was well, very it's weird up. It's souped okay. up. Oh, it's souped up. Oh, okay. Sorry. It, yeah, right. Sure. Bacon souped it up. Uh, so uh, the movie is Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Oliver Platt, Julia Roberts, William Baldwin. A pretty amazing cast at that time. Uh, and yeah. they are medical students. And they, uh, because as Kiefer Sutherland's idea, he wants to die and see what's in the afterlife. So... It's like Knowing his thesis the human body project, they... basically, is killing himself and oh, yeah. coming back, and then he wants to write a paper about it, and they keep teasing him, like, oh, you're going to be on 60 Minutes. <laughs> it's really a great 90s specific. And they make it sound like the cheesiest, most sell-out-y thing in the world to go on 60 Minutes, which, again, I thought was awesome. And uh, he needs them to help him die and come back to life. And they are all, like, different as you said before, like different kinds of characters, Oliver Platt is kind of just the guy who he never dies or he never tries to kill himself. He's right. just kind of there 
documenting it for himself. Uh, it's like a, a role Oliver Platt often has in these early 90s movies, which is there's a big group of movie stars and then Oliver Platt's there. Who's <laughs> just going, this is crazy. Stop. <laughs> what? Guys, what? <laughs> Kevin Bacon is kind of the moral center of the movie in yes, a way. Yeah. As, as like loopy as he is jumping out of the window. He's the best doctor of them. He's the most needed and he's kind of the smartest. Keeper and he's Sutherland. being suspended for caring too much, basically. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland is the is the kind of the craziest and a bit of a like a, a, like attempted cult leader seeming, uh, and Julia Roberts is just kind of like beautiful and there and has her own <laughs> backstory that comes up later. And all well, the guys like kind of want to be intellectual with her. and serious, but also like has a tender heart, you know. Yeah, and yeah. she. Both Kevin Bacon and Kiefer Sutherland. Well, Kevin Bacon and, and Julia Roberts start developing a thing for each other, but Kiefer Sutherland like really has a thing for Julia Roberts. He's like a bit possessive. Yeah. And then there's William Baldwin, whose character I think will probably be both of ours. Uh, what has this movie grown out of in 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> that like the main character of a movie could have this as his backstory, which oh my is God. that he is engaged to be married or has already gotten married to Hope Davis. And this is apparent. This is her first movie. Oh, is it really? Uh, She's yeah. great. She's very, she it's Hope Davis arrives fully formed. She is just already Hope Davis, you know, and she's just, that. she's doing Hope Davis. She has two scenes and she's great. Uh, doesn't have much to do, but basically uh, as, as his character says, he's trying to sow some wild oats and to document them. And so he is secretly filming himself bed, women and when i say secretly filming (laughs) this is what i was going to bring up yes not that i have experience with this but he is not doing a very good job not because they see the camera because but where the movie shows us he has put the camera is like in a very (laughs) there's no fucking way the woman no way he's, he's he's having sex with a woman in missionary and he looks up over his left shoulder to a rafter in his Again, everybody like has exposed like a beams screen. in his apartment, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And he, there's a camera like tilted in a beam, <laughs> pointing down, but pointing down at her face. Right. Like, yeah. If he, if he were to move his shoulder slightly to the left, and she were to look to the right, there's no fucking way she's not going to see a camera secretly filming them have sex. I mean, Ricky, right? this is part of why it's thrilling: is he has to conduct the entire operation in the apartment so that she doesn't notice the camera and i'm sure that's part of the game to him you know like i mean in the only scene that we see of him doing this the camera gets brought up because Kiefer southern leaves a message on his oh, machine yeah. like hey don't forget your camera tonight and she's like what camera and it's like the camera right there <laughs> looking down at you because like, there is nothing so it has a big ceiling of exposed beams there is literally nothing else above like up there except this one gigantic 1990 era camcorder shoved <laughs> into a corner and it has to be well lit it's a it's a camcorder from 1990 like you know it honestly took me like totally out of like the how horrifying that is of a thing to do to someone because I just got really focused on like how practical like technique. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I would never do that. This is a terrible thing to do. What? A, but like, I mean, come on, if you're going to do it, like you know, we got to oh find God, a place to put the camera that's less noticeable. And like, I can't believe this guy's making revenge porn and doing it so badly. 
Um, so eventually Kiefer Sutherland dies. He goes, they all have these, vi- and then they all start wanting to die as well for various reasons. Right. And, and, and they mostly start competitive, contact- smart kid reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And like who can die the longest. Um, and they all have these, um, they start having, every time they die, they go back to a period of time in their life where they committed or think that they committed some form of uh, moral transgression for Kiefer Sutherland. It's when him and a group of kids were picking on a little boy uh, for Kevin Bacon. It was when he and a group of kids were picking on a, um, a black girl that they went to school with for William Baldwin. It's all of these women that he is <laughs> secretly taped having sex with. And uh, for Julia Roberts, it's her Vietnam vet father um, uh, killing himself, which her mother which- blamed her for. Right. Yeah. She felt like it was her fault. Right. She had caught him in the oh, bathroom yeah. doing something she couldn't quite understand what he was doing. It is honestly not 100% clear the first time. Maybe he's jacking off. It looks a lot like he's jacking off. <laughs> and then he runs down the I stairs mean, past her into his car where he shoots himself. And then his her mother immediately goes, This is your fault. Which is <laughs> like, <laughs> Very Wow. Subtle. She holds her and goes, this is your fault! In, like, slow motion. And the mother is, like, as as Julie Roberts, as a child, starts to go into the bathroom, she, like, runs, and she's like, no! And it's revealed later that it's he's doing heroin. And it's like, I love the idea that the mom and dad have an arrangement where he's like, okay, I'm going to go do heroin, but just, you know, keep the kid out of the room, please. And then she's like, oh, no, the one thing I was supposed to do! (laughs) Do you think he told her he was like if the if she ever catches me doing heroin, I will get in the car and I will put a bullet in my brain. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. He's like, it's very important that you make sure she doesn't come in the room. I will literally kill myself. <laughs> and she's like, I Of wish- course, of course I got it. Of course, of course, I'm not gonna let it happen. And it's I like wish the, the first off. day that he is back, you know? <laughs> like the first time he's like, well, and he just kills himself because he's like, well, if I can't even get by the first day, clearly this arrangement <laughs> isn't going to work out. I'm just going to go die. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go kill myself. I'm going to go kill myself, right? And that's the problem with this movie, Oh, I think, overall. Like, I actually really like this movie. I loved it growing up. It was fun to, like, rewatch the first two-thirds of it. The style is Yeah, it's, so I mean, it's so stylless. It's great. It's great to look at. It's just a complete, completely fucking bonkers, you know? Yeah, but the last act is, like, so childish. And it's, like, the same line as, like, along the same lines as Ghost, where it's, like, this super simplistic interpretation yeah. of, like, heaven and hell and sin and it's like if if i was 13 i would still i would think the last act was great too i'd be like yeah don't pick on people yeah like, don't, don't bullying it's bad whereas like as a 36 year old man i'm like what the fuck <laughs> also i found myself thinking like so these guys are like 26 27 they're all rich in medical school and with the exception of uh billy baldwin daniel danny daniel baldwin which one is it billy Billy Daniel oh. is the one that's always had the fat the, face, uh, right? The, the drunken face bloat of Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, exactly. So, with the exception of him, like the worst things they ever did were when they were like under ten years old. <laughs> like that's that's pretty good. Like that's a bunch of goody two shoes. I think if there's nothing like nothing from high school that they did, none of these people. 
And Julia Roberts is one is like, it's from the first second, you're like, well, she didn't do anything wrong. I mean, like, I understand that she must feel bad, but she didn't do anything wrong. Like, you know, like, this is it. This is it for you guys. You didn't like make out with your friend's boyfriend or anything like. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it's strange. And it breaks with the logic of the movie. I think that like she like Kevin Bacon seeks atonement through finding the girl that he picked on and apologizing. And we'll, we should get more in depth in that scene in a minute. Cause it's ridiculous, oh but everybody else, except for Billy Baldwin, like Julia Roberts and Kiefer Sutherland find atonement in their, in their nightmares somehow. Yes. Like they, like yes. she meets, she sees, she like goes further into the room in her, in her flashback. And like, sees that he's shooting heroin and not jacking off. I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe she thought forever that she caught him <laughs> jacking off and he killed himself. And then when she saw him doing heroin, she was like, oh, I get it. He had PTSD. He oh, was a that's vet. totally fine. You know? Doing heroin is fine. He, stand, <laughs> he stands up and like Goodwill Hunting's her and is like, it's not your fault, baby. And then she like comes out of her dream and is like, I'm good, which is like... <laughs> weird that bacon had to do it in reality and the rest had to do it like in, in fantasy. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it raises the question too of, and again, we're kind of skipping around, but so the basic idea is they all see these traumatic experiences and then they start bleeding into the real world and they're all having these like wild hallucinations or ghosts are visiting them or what. But in some cases it's like someone who's still alive. Like in Kevin Bacon's case, the woman that he teased is alive. So it can't be a ghost. Like, so it's it must be something psychological, although the movie does not address it, and it kind of leads you to believe it is ghosts. And but it, they kind of hedge yeah, their the bets movie. a little bit, but it's like they're like, mm, it's probably ghosts. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, like, but it's like, it are are the challenges they're facing, facing psychological? Because it's like for him, it's like he feels bad about having teased this woman, and it makes him feel better to apologize. But for the two of them, it's like something more internal and so they have to in their own minds deal with the the trauma yeah it really becomes a hokey teen movie in the last act just in terms of how it plays out and what they need to do like it like it oddly becomes yeah like a teen movie where they have to apologize for bullying yeah very moralistic and simplistic where it's like i'm sorry i did the bad thing and they're like don't even worry about it and you're like okay but are you sure because I was really bad. And they're like, Hey, seriously, I don't even remember. And they're like, okay, that's cool. Li- that's almost the dialogue, the verbatim dialogue of Kevin Bacon scene with the little girl, Winnie. I don't know what the girl's name was. I don't remember. Uh, but what's also, I guess we're already on this scene. So we should just talk about it. Yeah. One of the things that I found, and this is the scene where Kevin Bacon goes to apologize to the girl that's in his nightmares that he made fun of when he was a little kid. And, um, one of the things that he says when he goes to apologize to her, she says to him, I'm not that ugly little girl anymore. Or so I have a family now I'm married. I'm not that ugly little girl anymore. And he says to her, you were never ugly. And it's like, it's a little like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you should have, like in no way address this woman's looks, no matter what oh, age God. she was. It's just, Hey, you sh- were never ugly. Like, like, as if, as if he is the actual authority and therefore that's going to make her, that's going to make her feel better. Right. Oh, this guy who called me ugly when I was younger, this like 
good looking tall white guy like right his now says that i was always beautiful i feel better yeah yeah and i mean the whole way that the, the this whole way this scene is coded is very strange and i honestly don't know what it's getting at and if they're it changes interpretation from the page to the screen, but they chose not to change what was on the page. If you know what I mean? Cause it's like, like you're saying, it's a, it's a young black girl that he's teasing. And so then she's obviously a grown black woman and, and she's got this big house in the suburbs and they key for Sutherland says like, Oh, she did pretty good for herself, but it like, it doesn't really look that nice, but it looks, it's just kind of big, but it looks kind of fucked up, you know? And then where she's running like a nursery out of it. And she keeps saying everything is fine, but she also seems like very tightly wound. Like she doesn't think it's fine at all. And like, she's flipping out about it, but it, it never really gets to that place. Yeah. And it's also well, like she- Kevin Bacon is like a kid, but she has children and is married and has this big house. So it's almost coded. Like, like she is the adult and he's the child, you know, but then, but then it, it it's doing this other weird thing where it's like, maybe she's still poor or maybe she's not. And it's like, I don't like I could see the scene being played out with like she's obviously doing well and wealthy, but they haven't played it that way. They're playing it like she's doing good, like for her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's just odd. It's just odd. Well, he is the kid in the scene, but Kevin Bacon was uh, like the oldest in the cast and he looks 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At least 30. Uh, but I mean, medical school. Wait, what are you talking like, about with his long hair and his leather jacket and his cool Jeep? He looks like he's like 22 at the oldest, brother. Um, it's such a str- it's such a strange scene, and I think it's I think it's kind of strange because there's no subtext. You know, when you get a scene yeah. that has like no subtext, it's just so it's like. I think it's it, bewildering it, for everyone involved, like for the viewers, for the actors, for the yes. director, everybody's at sea. They're like, well, it just, this is what's happening. You know? I mean, but yeah, this is like, I don't know. It's, it's like we've been skipping around, but in a certain sense, like this is it. It's, it's a very kind of like segment D movie. It's like person A goes under person B goes under person. A has a flashback person. B has a flashback. And then person A tries to atone and person B tries to atone. And that's the whole movie basically. Right. But it's done. It is, like we're saying photographed in such a completely fucking bonkers way like Jan Devon at this point is like he's done Die Hard The Hunt for Red October what else I had a whole list he's awesome yeah but so he's just King, like fucking King, King Devon basic instinct King I guess I was still in the future I guess basic instinct but he's like he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants you know what I mean he's just like doing whatever the fuck he wants and it's great to see like yeah have the fucking medicine happen in a cathedral. Great. You know, great, great. I want smoke everywhere. You know, like it's, it's, why not make a movie like this? Why not make all movies like this? Like it's it's fun to watch. I almost wish we had time to do like a shot by shot analysis of this movie. Like, and not an analysis, but just like a shot and shot, a shot for shot recap where we would just be like, yeah, in this shot, there are four plumes of smoke, a bright red (laughs) neon light flashing from the left side and like a blue hue cast against the back wall. Oh my God. Well, this is the other thing we haven't talked about is the like color symbolism in this movie is not subtle. It's like (laughs) when you're having a death flashback, everything turns really red, like really super red. And then the thing is, not subtle but it's also so shallow right, right. like it's just like yeah. deathbed like angels this night blue like it's everything is so simplistic and on the surface yeah. without subtext that it's like it's it means nothing upon viewer like as soon as you see it 
yeah, no, I mean, it just has a very simplistic, I mean, I, I think like we saying and like, you know, we're going to listen to Siskel and Ebert in a little bit, like, like you keep saying the first two thirds of the movie are great and it's like a fun kind of adventure and they're competing with each other and they're like giving each other shit and they just seem like friends who are kind of awful, but you know, they're basically trying to do something good. Like they're trying to like solve the mystery of death and also get rich. And you're like, well, okay, fine. I mean, if that's, I would, I would do those things. Yeah. But then it, it does just become kind of like a moralistic adventure movie in a certain way. And it's not, and a lot yeah. of Kiefer Sutherland having fist fights with a child. This is the other thing. <laughs> Because the way that well, he's Kiefer haunted by his happened. by his past is that it's a little kid he used to bully, and but now the little kid is bullying him. But in reality, the way they've chosen to represent this in the movie is that the kid is physically beating the shit out of Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and it's pretty funny to watch. And honestly, it's done pretty well. <laughs> it's like so stupid and ridiculous. It's Kiefer Sutherland over and over again going, No! <laughs> Like screaming as this child beats him up or runs after him. Kevin Bacon has a moment where he yells like that, I believe, when he sees the little girl on the subway train or yeah. something like that. But like Kiefer so. Sutherland has multiple scenes where he screams at a child, like in fear of a child running towards him or hitting no! him. Or when he's like falling or when he's like something bad oh is about God, to happen. Branches falling in the yes. branches is maybe my favorite shots of the movie where he is like no. falling, like crawling in the air. Like it's not even, it's very like clearly someone watched like German impressionism movies and was like, let's kind of do a version of, of that. Yeah. But like it doesn't really work. Like there's like the twigs are so like specifically thin and like draping him slowly as he falls in his dream state like out of the out of the sky not in slow motion but like he's clearly like being hung from something and right, being slowly yeah. dropped while branches very clearly fake branches yes. like tap him lightly across the shoulders and face it's so like stylized and not necessarily good but fun to watch <laughs> well and the thing is like you're saying it's stylized and like it's a dream and it's also kind of a metaphor but at the same time i kept thinking like if someone is literally supposed to have died like this like falling like this and it doesn't seem like it would really you would get hurt very much like i kept waiting for them to be like there was like a rock on the ground or like a piece of metal and he landed on the metal and died. But it's like, Oh no, he just fell into this grassy hill and then he was dead. <laughs> and like, also the dog was dead or crippled or something. And I'm like, really from these tiny ass branches in this tiny ass tree, like didn't seem like mortally dangerous to me. And then the final scene where he's like forgiven by Billy in his nightmare in, in the dream, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's like the set is like one tree on like a mound of uh, astroturf yes, yes. <laughs> and like a fake bush and keep and like one light with again smoke billowing like it just it looks like the set from a silent movie and like it's fine for cool. like the logo of your cider company but like as a, like set in a major motion picture like it does not fly. <laughs> You can see what they're going for, though. But it's like yes, definitely kind of standard Schumacher at his height, which is like I can see what you're going for. You just don't really have it. 
rest in peace. I'm sorry. I know he just passed away. Uh, and I, and I, and I feel bad knocking him. I'm a huge lost boys fan. Falling down is, uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, right wing really propaganda. Something. Yeah. Really I mean, something. again, accidental right wing propaganda because yes. he just, he just didn't have it. <laughs> Yeah, I would be really curious, like, after having watched this movie, like, because because it was so bizarre, right? It was so unlike the way a movie would be done if it was done today. But they did remake this movie just a few years ago. Did I'm you watch really, it? I didn't. No, I'm really curious what it's like. Like, do, do you think it's more like Final Destination? Oh, so you've seen it? I've seen it. I've seen some of it. It's un. It's un. I mean, that's what I mean. It's unwatchable. <laughs> it's it's um, you know, Flatliners. As much as we're talking shit on it it's a movie yeah and it feels like a movie and I mean, it, it starts with a choir showing movie. you statues it's a movie you know yeah and like and and a, and like a crazy aerial crane shot or something like or like a helicopter over, shot or something yeah like pushes into a close-up on our main character like it's kind of beautiful in its in its own ways the the remake is just sort of like Let's make something for in-flight entertainment or, or you know, like it, it, the sets look like shit. The performances don't matter. The characters state exactly like poorly performed statements about like, you know, who they are and what their backgrounds are. Um, and uh, it, it has that hyper, that frenetic cutting where it was oh, like God, no one was yeah. really directing this movie, right? They just like... like put up a bad set and then threw cameras around and started and started cutting. But it's got dialogue. I was watching some of it a couple nights ago. It's got dialogue. That's like one of the characters gets a text and the other character goes, your mom again, when's she going to leave you alone? She moved here just to be closer to you smothering much. It's like, okay, clearly that's going to be a part of the, like, oh <laughs> like why couldn't we just get a scene with the mom? Like, <laughs> just, yeah, just show the mom being like all over him. <laughs> like why? Yeah. Because it's quick. It's quick. It's quick. It's quick. That, that stuff's boring. You know, nobody wants to see that. Like this movie would have done that. Like, yeah. like we have, we have Billy Baldwin as much as it doesn't make sense where the camera is placed. We have him betting and, and filming himself have, have sex with a woman. We have, the flashbacks involving these, 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 these people, you know, do you want to watch the Siskel and Ebert thing? Do you want to watch the Siskel and Ebert thing? But as I watched the scene, as Julia Roberts walks with Kevin Bacon on the bridge, I didn't think that Julia Roberts newfound stardom from pretty woman was a help. Her familiar beauty works against the credibility of this preposterous story. And if we can say we're sorry, this film argues, I guess we'll be happier in life. Actually, that serious side of the film is what I enjoyed the most. What I didn't like was the long, long, ain't med school fun set up to the whole adventure. And I did wonder from time to time, maybe you did too, Roger, if whether young people watching this picture uh, might try to imitate the stunt that's being pulled off here by holding their breath or doing something like that. Uh, you have to hold your breath for a long time, Gene. I've always been fascinated by these stories about the fact that after you die, there's this tunnel of white light and there's beautiful music yeah. and your relatives greet you and so forth, right. which is the experience that they're trying to recreate by deliberately right. killing themselves and then resuscitating themselves. Uh, I thought this movie was smart. I thought it was brainy. I thought it was fascinating. There were two things about it that I didn't like so much, but it didn't involve Julia. How can you attack Julia Roberts for having been familiar because she's in Pretty Woman? What about Kiefer Sutherland? What about Kevin Bacon. Oh, I thought this movie Let has me... movie stars in it. That's right. Every movie we see has movie stars in it. I Are you going to say she should have never made another no. movie? No, no. 
Uh, I thought you might bring that up, and that's why I want to say that these guys, who are also familiar for me, seem to be played down, and maybe the way they're photographed is played down. Here she seemed to be photographed as beauteous object, whereas these guys, who could be uh, good-looking and appealing uh, to other you people... have a hard not. time photographing her in any other way. She's a good-looking woman, and I don't hold that against her in this movie. But apart from that, what I didn't like about the film is after they get into the thing that is beyond death, it's right. disappointing. It involves making amends. You've got to go back to childhood and talk to a kid that you weren't nice to uh, in grade school or something. It's got to be, I've always felt that mankind and trying to imagine what is up there in heaven and what right. is there after death has an enormous lack of imagination. Can you imagine what it must really be like if there is an afterlife? Well, it's not going to involve making sure all your books are settled. So, like, I... I... I feel like that clip is a classic Siskel and Ebert. And by that, I mean Ebert's complaints about the movie are about the substance of the movie. And Siskel's complaints are Julia Roberts was too pretty for this movie. (laughs) It's very weird. And Roger is like, Roger's being such a dick to him, but he's totally right. And it's so great to listen to. He's like, Gene Siskel's like, well, she's just presented like this beautiful object, you know, and, like good, well, good luck photographing her any other way. She's a beautiful woman, and I don't hold it against her. Anyway, <laughs> well, he's also like Gene. This is this is a. There, there are five movie stars in this movie. Yeah, they are right. movie stars. Your why is your problem with her? Yeah, and he's like, and, and Gene is like, well, I just you know, pretty woman really like, you know, made it hard to watch her in this movie. It's like you're crazy, man. <laughs> want to fuck her and it's distracting like what are you what are you saying you know is that what you're saying like oh it's like the hot girl from pretty woman is in this movie too i mean it is a funny actually because looking back on this movie from this point of view when it's you know 30 years later and all of you all of these movie stars have had all sorts of divergent careers she didn't really stand out for me as being like taking me out of the movie, except you, no. you do sort of see what he means. Like she's just Julia Roberts, you know, she's like a fucking, she's photographed so well. She's so luminous on film and you can tell that the, the film is like, you just have to appreciate that. You know what I mean? You, there's nothing you can do. You're powerless in, in front of that kind of thing. You know, I loved her style, the trench coat yeah. with the scarf. Yeah glasses like i lent her like uh, huge like hair in a bun to one side like, or a ponytail on one side like it was good it was really good i was distra- like smart julia roberts like i wasn't distracted at all i was like god I, I love the i love how they've designed her character and i think she looks beautiful great and i really thought like out of all the people i mean i out of all the people i think like Billy Baldwin is completely playing to type and isn't doing anything with his role. Oliver Platt is complaint, playing <laughs> completely to type? to type and not doing anything with his part. Like I would say Julia Roberts is like, he, she's doing something. She's like playing a character, you know? And I, I, yeah. So I thought she did great, like better than a lot of the people in the movie. Yeah. I don't under, I, I can't ever imagine watching a movie like this that a totally unrealistic, hyper-stylized, silly movie and being like, oh, that character's too pretty. It really took me out of how grounded the story was. Well, because this is the thing we haven't really said is like, so all the, like, where they go to the afterlife and then all the, like, horror flashbacks they have in, in the real world, they're all very you know, they're like poetically shot. They're very stylized. There's like shots repeat and you don't know what's happening. And the sound doesn't match with the visuals. And it's very like nominated uh, for, uh, nominated for best sound editing. 
Well, yeah, it is. It's 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 a complicated. It's it's edited more complicatedly, more complex than you usually see in, in a movie like this, or in a movie lo- in general. I love the first dream sequence that, um, or you know, death flashback, whatever that Kiefer Sutherland has. The sound for like that sweeping shot over the cornfield or the wheat. Oh field. yeah, that's the one I keep thinking of too. Yeah, that one's so good. And the sound is like, it's like this intense. Uh, like base sort of airplane rise or, or like airplane taking off. And kind it, of stuff. it's so interesting to design, design the sound in that way, because it's like, you're seeing this helicopter shot over the field and you're seeing the little kids running, but it's like the sound puts you in. It's not just like, it's not just like you're watching the film. It's like Kiefer Sutherland is dead and flying over this scene. And this is what he's hearing, you know, like, and it completely changes how you're understanding what's happening in the scene. So like, that's really well done. Wait, I have a question for you though. You think Billy Baldwin is playing to type? Do you not? He's just like a dumb, what? like he's like a dumb, good looking oh, this guy. Is what, this is what I wanted to talk about in regards to Billy Baldwin's atonement. So everybody has to like atone for like, that goes back, has to do the atonement themselves. Right. Kevin Bacon has to find this girl. Kiefer Sutherland has to like also get killed by Billy in the tree and apologize but in his dream and like julia roberts in her dream has to see that her father wasn't jerking off and was actually shooting heroin right billy baldwin doesn't do anything himself he He just gets dumped he it's like he gets it's like the ghosts sexually harass him in the way that he sexually harasses women and then he gets dumped and we don't even see him like have a revelation and be like wow i guess i shouldn't be that way but it's just no, that's the movie's it. like, that's it. That's the end of his story, you know? Yeah. So his atonement, I mean, his atonement for his horrific actions, <laughs> arguably the it's, worst of the four like of them. The most explicitly I think, illegal I out of everybody. Objectively yeah. the yeah, worst. I, think he, I mean, he's doing, he's doing completely inhumane things. Yes, exactly. And his atonement is not even at his own hands. His well, you know wife I, shows up in his home and finds the tapes and leaves him, and that's it. He's suddenly not haunted anymore. Yeah, right. And you know what I think is so weird too, and and this is like almost like some of the other movies we've talked about is like, you know, for as criminal as Billy Baldwin's actions are, the movie still manages to come across as like weirdly sex negative because the movie doesn't see the crime as the illegal taping of the sex. The movie sees the crime as him like seducing a bunch of women like because what the women all say to him is not you taped me without my consent and you jack off it all the time and show it to people what they what they do is they say like you said you would love me forever i'm so tired of the dating scene and it's like those are just like (laughs) no one says says, i'm so tired of the dating no they do someone says that someone says do they really oh because they're 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 mimicking him right they're mimicking him they're saying back to him the lines he said to them you know they're not saying to him like i was so tired of the dating scene i thought we would be together forever (laughs) i didn't want to do this anymore i thought you were the one no yeah they're saying to him the pickup lines he used on them but they're all just like pretty standard they're like hey you're pretty like yeah like if those pickup lines worked 
Uh, <laughs> it's kind of fine. I mean, but obviously he has done things that are literally criminal, but the movie just f- is fixated on the idea of him being a slut. Like, that is the bad part. And I'm like, well, he yeah. can be a slut if he wants to be a slut. Like, oh, he told this girl that, like, he would, you know, he thought she was the most beautiful girl in the world, but really he thinks someone else is the most beautiful girl in the world. Like, I mean, come on. Like, what are we doing here? You know? Like, <laughs> right. Is he, like, an actual, like... <laughs> criminal sex creep or is he just a guy who belongs on the like you know media list <laughs> the... yeah yeah exactly it's very weird it's very weird well i think uh on that note uh what's your favorite part of the movie oh richard um my favorite part of the movie would probably have to be like honestly I I like Julia Roberts. I like Julia Roberts. I think she's great in the movie. And I love seeing like this period of Julia Roberts. And I love seeing the way that they have dressed, styled her in this movie um, because it's, it's almost like she's like a regular person. And I, I think Julia Roberts is fantastic at being like the nicest and most beautiful regular person. And so it's great to see her in that role. You know, I loved it. You know, America's sweetheart kid. I mean, what can you say? I have a similar favorite part in the sense that I enjoyed watching movie stars be lit and shot like movie stars, but look still seemingly normal. Yes, exactly. You know? They all kind like, of look normal, right? Like Julia Roberts is incredibly beautiful, but she doesn't look outrageous. She doesn't look outrageously sexy or femme fatale right. or, 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 or anything. She looks like a beautiful, like a normal, beautiful person. Right. right. Like, and just like, like, like you would see a person like at a bar and you'd be like, wow, that person's really beautiful. But and not the same like, thing with William with Billy Baldwin, right? Like he's a good looking, he's clearly like a good looking guy, but there's, he's not being shot in this or he isn't like ripped and been working out for six right. months to yeah. prepare for the role. Right. And like, you know, where, and Julia Roberts isn't wearing some kind of like insanely expensive outfits everywhere or some kind of like, ruffled real person look but that also communicates how glamorous and rich she is or something you know she just literally looks like a normal person you know and it's such a different way of thinking about what a movie is and should be and what a movie star does and i i I really like that about this period of movies it's one of my favorite things for there were just some people felt like they had to be connected to real life in some way and i i think that's good and i love seeing it i i I don't even know if they were that conscious of it, right? Of needing to be connected yeah. to real life. I just don't think that there had been a satur like a saturation point as much as there as there is now in terms of like our 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 beauty our ideals of beauty, you know, both male and 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 female celebrities. I also really love the costumes in the in the film. I loved all of yeah. their clothes. Like, I mean, specifically Kiefer and Julia Roberts, who are wearing trench coats the whole time, and just and Kiefer like- is like wearing like scrubs for a bunch of pivotal scenes where he just, but not in a way where he's he just looks like shit. He just looks like yeah, a looks a like drunk shit. like college student. You know, he looks like garbage. But it's like, but like I believe that person exists like a hundred percent. Um, and I also, as much as we knock the style because it has no substance whatsoever, it's very fun to watch for a good portion of the movie where you literally at times jump out of your chair and are like, why would you light a scene like this? What is this for? How could there be this much smoke on one street? Like Jesus fucking Christ. Right. Like there's, it was, I why was, why are like, they doing, 
Why I is the medical later. school in the fucking steeple of this church? I mean, I love that in the Siskel and Ebert clip, and I don't know if we're going to use this part, but Siskel's like, oh, the lab looks like it's inside a church. I was like, it was a church, Siskel. Like, get your fucking head out of your ass. Like, it obvi- they showed the exterior a hundred times. They just do medicine in a church. Like, you know, where'd I lose you? <laughs> um, what was the most 90s thing about this movie? Um... Well, I mean, we're talking about Jan Debont. We're talking about him coming off the hunt for Red October. We're talking about him going on to do Basic Instinct. Um, I think, you know, the way that this particular kind of 90s movie for adults is just wildly overshot. I mean, like all the things we've yeah. been saying, like I just, they don't they don't make them like this anymore for sure. And it's yeah. so crazy to watch. It takes you completely to a different time and place. And it's, I mean, maybe because I was a kid then, but I, I love, I mean, you love to see it. You know, it's just great. It's great. It's great to watch. Well, this is like the thing that I was kind of saying about Tony Scott when we were talking about Days of Thunder and the look of Days of Thunder. It's just sort of like you can see a, how much more time and money, even like, you know, lower budgeted movies of that time. I mean, this is still probably like a, you know, 10 to $20 million movie, I think maybe even mm-hmm. like a $30 million movie. I think it was a $30 million movie, which is like pretty big at that, at that time. But you still get a sense that like, they had a lot of time to plan a lot of time to plan the lighting in these, yes. in, in these yes. scenes. Basically. Well, it was just this way of like, if you're thinking about making a movie, it's like, well, it has to be, it has to look beautiful every single frame. Like, obviously, like, why else are you making a movie? You know? So there's just, right, people, it's a movie. It's gotta be a movie. It's gotta look like a movie. Like what are, what the fuck are we doing here? Like we got to get shafts of light in here. We got to wet these streets. You know, we got to like, we got to get some color gels going. And it's like, great, you know, it's and the people I feel like do not have that same opinion now, you know? No, no, no. When do you think Hollywood, Hollywood, I use that in quotes, but like recognize that like people didn't notice that, didn't care about it and that they didn't need to do it. Like when did, like, was it the, was it the, the Tyler Perry, you know? No, I like, think it was kind of, like I think it garbage. was when these big movies like around the turn of the millennium became about, like less about how they looked and more about, but it was like, it, it's like the same mentality now goes into like having a crazy CGI shot, you know, where it's like the camera flies through a million spaceships and then like all the spaceships are exploding. And then you get, you land on our hero and he's like crazy ride, huh? Like that's like, that's yeah. where that, that energy is going. It's not going into like having like a, a like a, golden light behind vertical blinds you know like yeah i prefer the golden light behind vertical blinds because it's a that's like a hyper version of reality versus something that is just purely fantastical and ungrounded and 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 uninteresting uninteresting to watch yeah i mean stuff like the cgi shit it's fun i enjoy a lot of marvel movies you know but it is it it's not it's not gratifying in the same kind of more adult way that movies like this crazy death thriller are you know like i mean this movie is like schlocky is the thing you know it's like kind of dumb but it's like looking back on it from 2020 it seems like fucking shakespeare you know like many of these do uh i think the most 90s thing about the movie is uh um probably the last act and the 
the sort of no maybe that's maybe that's more 80s the sort of simplistic morality that ends up coming up in the last act and how they solve the movie like i i i think that like ghost that I don't think it would have been written that way in in the 90s or in the 2000s. It would have been more Jacob's Laddery, which is like either ambiguous or they would have found a more complicated uh, story to tell. Like I just reason, don't think it would have or been like thought. a twist or like a, like a concrete yeah. answer to what was happening. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, I would also just say Julia Roberts. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean it's she's just amazing, right? Yeah. The most 90s thing about, you know, the movie. Yeah, for she's sure. queen of the 90s. I kept thinking uh, about like the Homeland or um the Homecoming, the Amazon show. Oh yeah. And which starred her, obviously. And I was just trying to in my mind remember how I felt watching her in that show and trying to connect it to this person in this movie. And I was like, was I was I as, you know, distracted by, you know, her movie starness in that? And I was like, I really don't think I was. I think she is doing a better job these days of again seeming normal i mean that's kind of what that was about too she's supposed to be like a normal person but also she just seems kind of like it's still like when a movie star acts like a normal person these days it's almost like they're so divorced from that that it's and everyone involved is so divorced from like what is a normal person that they're just in these weird archetypes you know that's why i think like a lot of movies are set in the 50s because it's like nobody knows what a normal person is like anymore so they're just like oh you know like the 50s like uh you know people like guys are guys and dames are dames 30 years later <laughs> what do you think this movie has grown out of hey well uh, again it's come up earlier in the show but you gotta say the very weird attitudes it has towards sex like <laughs> it's not quite as fucked up as metropolitan uh the plot isn't about preventing someone from having sex but it just it's it, it's preoccupied Wait, with hold, sex stop, in a way stop, stop you think that metropolitan's attitudes towards sex are more fucked up than fucking flatliners i mean in a certain way yes I mean, I love Metropolitan. I mean, we talked to I love Metropolitan. But literally, the climax of the movie is trying to stop someone from having sex. Look, Metropolitan is like a chaste movie about like 1973 conservative... Very repressed people. Repressed right. Kids. Yeah, right. Flatliners literally thinks that it is worse to sleep around... And you said this, to sleep around than it is to secretly videotape the people that you fuck the women that you fuck and show it to your friends okay i guess i should say they're fucked up in a different way you're right i shouldn't say one is more fucked up than the other it's just weird i guess i would say what i would say is metropolitan is more chaste and has a weirder like it has it has more of an anti-sex attitude whereas this movie has a more complicatedly bizarre relationship with sex uh, yeah, I mean, you get the sense that in Metropolitan, if any of the characters outside of the ones that were called sluts have sex, they would be saying "ew" the whole time. <laughs> be like, they, well, so I guess we're married now. <laughs> what 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 do you think would, this movie? I would about, agree that. The, I mean, I would I would I would agree. I would say that this movie mainly has outgrown. I mean, even having a plot thread where a character secretly films himself have sex with women but isn't directly punished for it 
right? Like yeah. the, this guy's punishment is his fiance leaves him, and you're honestly, I think, supposed to feel bad for him when when she when she leaves him, right? Like I don't think the movie is necessarily like good. He got what he deserved. It no. seems like yeah. the movie's kind of like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I don't think that He's would like, happen. Wait, I mean, they I didn't mean the, anything to me. Be... I love you. And she's like, I wish they had meant something. I think to he you. would be like, oh, just listen, man. He's a good guy. I think he would be like prosecuted in him, like arrested and prosecuted. Yes. Or at the very least by like 1999, like one of the videos would have ended up being shown in front of like an, or like he would have been secretly recorded talking about having it. And as he was about to give his big speech to the medical school, someone played that conversation yeah. over like the megaphone or something. And everyone, I don't give a shit about the these background. girls, man. They all want it. You know, like I'm just giving them what they want. Like it would be something like that. Right. You know, I put the camera in the most obvious place and they don't even see it. They're that fucking dumb. They deserve it. Look, they see what they want to see. Okay. (gasps) Look, look up. Where's the camera? It's right there. I mean, come on, give me a fucking break. (gasps) And that's what you hear. (laughs) And he's like, what is this? Shut this off. Shut this off. Who's playing this? It's not like that. It's not. Look, that's not me. <laughs> Come on. It's, it's not me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you guys know me. I'm not like that. Come on. I put the camera in a place for them to see it. It's not my fault they don't. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, it's just fun. We're just having fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 30 years later, in the year of 1990, where does this movie hold up so far in terms of all the other movies that we've watched from this year? Oh, gosh. Um, it's a fun movie. It's a, I'd say it's a different kind of movie than a lot of the other ones that we've seen um, because it's kind of like we were saying in this realm of a St. Elmo's Fire kind of movie. Like a, It's this kind of realm. Sometimes a movie like this is a teen thriller. Sometimes it's about people in their 20s. You know, sometimes it's like around a workplace. Sometimes it's around a high school. Um, but it's like a real genre we haven't done yet. And so I think it kind of stands apart in a certain way. But I think it's like maybe the bottom of the top half. <laughs> like if that's as specific as I can get. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. In, would you say this rates above or below Schumacher's Lost Boys? Ah, below Lost Boys, definitely, for sure. Yeah, because Lost Boys is just like, I mean, maybe, I think Lost Boys is more iconic, and I think it's got like a lot more going on, and it's like a lot more enjoyable of a film. It's also like a little bit more of a kid's movie, obviously, like, but I I like that movie a lot more. I mean, this movie is great, and it's fun, but it does get boring at a certain point, and I mean, so does Lost Boys, but I think it's, I think Lost Boys is better. Um, I my favorite Joe Schumacher movie is probably Lost Boys, but Flatliners is probably like a close second or third. Flatliners is pretty great outside of the it's last. Good. I would say it's second still, to me, probably. Yeah. yeah, but even that is and like I would agree, fine. I would agree it's with you. Fine, you know, bottom of the top. Yeah, I mean that's why bottom he kept getting work for so long because his movies were like fine. <laughs> They're like, okay, uh, yeah, that's fine. And I think R. they R. like do fine and yeah. 
R.I.P. Joel Schumacher. Thirty years later, it's fine. It's fine. Deep. Oh. Cool. Nice, because the flat line. Because the, the flat, flat line, line right? Did you get it? That was the sound of a flat beep, line. But in beep, this, beep, it, I didn't mean the movie was dead. Beep, I meant the movie was just kind of flat, you know. Beep, 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 beep,